God has multiple wonderful plans for his people. Um, and uh, what we are called to do is are become the kinds of people uh, who make wise choices. And I think God will honor us and, and take us on the journey that he has for us. This is the God in All Things podcast, rooted in Ignatian spirituality and seeking the presence of God in the everyday. Here's Andy Otto. This is part two of my conversation with Tim Mackey and John Collins, co-founders of The Bible Project, which produces short animated videos that explain the books and themes of the Bible. In part one, we spoke about the biblical understanding of heaven and earth, how heaven overlaps our world, and what the vocational role of humans is in God's project. In this podcast, we continue that conversation. Yeah, the idea of subduing the earth... um, uh, you even talked about it kind of like cultivating our little plot of land, you know, our little mm-hmm. part of the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's just a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it just it seems it's gotten lost, right, um, in our sort of mm-hmm. uh, contemporary reading mm-hmm. of Genesis, uh, of, of subduing mm-hmm. the earth and, and being a ruler. Um, mm-hmm. why, why have we missed this pearl mm-hmm. <laughs> from that? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's such a well. It's such a strong word, subdue. In our mm. English language, it mm-hmm. means to like. I f- I feel like it means to take something by force. Mm. Is what that means to me. Well, and gardening requires a lot of force yeah. and energy. <laughs> you're forcing that <laughs> land to produce. Yeah, something by you. the sweat of your brow, you're breaking up dirt and planting and weeding and us. But then you get into this <laughs> modern context where we're doing a lot of damage. To yes, yes. The sure. earth. Yeah, that's and right. And then you have a word like subdue and you're kinda like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like like no, let's actually try to lay off a little bit. Sure. I think there's that problem. But it is a great but th- word. But that's more of a, a modern that's more of a modern Western problem yes. of us uh subduing the earth in the wrong or in, you know, just yeah. unhelpful ways or something. Right. But talk to any farmer and ask them about their relationship to that field out there. And I doubt they would say, oh, you know, it's just my best friend and it does everything yeah. I want it to. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess like, no, I have to get out there and work that field. Would you say that's true then of also s- seeking the kingdom? It's the same yeah, energy? Yes. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, it is. Um, it's such a universal image that our lives are like a plot of ground, that the world, it is literally a big plot <laughs> of ground. The world is literally, <laughs> it is literally a plot of ground. And then our lives are metaphorically. And it's such a rich image. There's, I mean, the, the bi- biblical story is rife with garden imagery. Um, I mean, there's no, it's no coincidence why when Paul talks about the kind of life that the spirit of Jesus wants to produce in us, that he uses garden imagery of fruit, um, that the spirit wants to grow fruit out of us. Um, and then also, you know, like the fruit of the spirit in Galatians, um, chapter five, but then it's interesting. Paul also doesn't think that the fruit of the spirit grows automatically because he says, if you live by the spirit, you need to keep in step with it. So you got, you got to prune off the bad fruit and you got to, you got to partner with it. You got to work. So all the way through Mm. the biblical story is this gardening imagery as an image of what humans are called to. And it, requi- it requires that p- that partnership that for humans to really own up to what God is calling them to do. Is it clear from the um, from the Hebrew I- in Genesis that 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 
a word subdue is mm. the original intent of the of the Genesis author, or is it more of uh, mm. you know an assumption that oh this imagery has been used throughout the scriptures, it must mean mm. yes, it must mean you know oh well um, yeah sub- subdue the earth yes you can just do a a word study on um, kabas it's the it's the word. Um, and it's often it's even it is used a handful of times in a warfare context in the book of Joshua where you're subduing a, a people group or something. So it definitely envisions there's there's going to be a, a lot battle. of energy, and in yeah some sort of um, you're going to have to impose your will. I think that's the root of the idea mm. is you you impose a will upon this, um, but but the context determines the meaning of the word. So if you're imposing your will on a people group because you beat them, that mm-hmm. obviously is one yeah. thing. But, I mean, but it, if you impose your will on on a, a garden, plot of ground, yeah, to turn it into a garden, yeah, because yeah, gardens don't happen automatically. Um, so it's all about the thing that you subdue determines what really what the word ends up meaning. I think uh, there's also at least Tim speak to just the co-creation. God created as good, but it wasn't complete. Oh, that's right. And yes, yeah, we've talked about And I about think this. there's, that's another misconception I think I've always had, which was mm. Garden of Eden was this very complete, perfect place. Right. Perfect in a platonic sense <laughs> of just, uh, yeah. you know, no, nothing could go wrong. Um, everything is is complete. Uh, but the story is just beginning. That's right. Yeah, this, the story of the Garden of Eden does not depict it as complete or perfect. But it's good and has all the potential to become great and even better and spread. And that's the nature of the story. Um, so that's the context mm-hmm. of subdue. Correct. Yeah. So subduing has to do with imitating what God has already done in creating a garden out of the dark, watery chaos of the beginning and then continuing, continuing that. And a rest mm-hmm. as God rested on the seventh day. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So the whole plot line of the biblical narrative is driven by a story of humans um, uh, subduing. (laughs) Um, My modern paraphrase, because that word immediately puts up so many obstacles, I think, for many modern people, is, is the paraphrase to harness the potential that's in God's good world and then to shape it and take, take creation somewhere as we build it and build communities. And, that's the whole biblical story, and that's exactly the story that gets back on track again. Yeah, in the new creation, at, and that's at the and end that's of the why Bible. Jesus is, Jesus is the new Adam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, as humanity, are unable to do this, and mm-hmm. so we're stuck in the cycle of how do we, mm-hmm. how 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 do we fix this thing? And we can't. We need a new humanity, and that's what Jesus inaugurates. And, and it's a partnership with God, no? I mean, it's, um, you know, the fact that you talk about being made in the image of God, God creating us as an mm-hmm. image that essentially God empowering us as a ruler, um, but it's not God is, you know, hands off and, and we go on, but it's it's truly a partnership in this project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I think... Uh, yeah, so think of Jesus' commissioning words to the disciples at the end of Matthew, where he depicts himself as the new Adam. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Hmm. And then 
he tells the disciples to go out to all the nations. That's the theme John was mm-hmm. talking about. And then make disciples. Um, and often the modern like mission conferences quotation mm-hmm. ends make right disciples. there. Make disciples who do what? Who obey everything I've commanded you. Well, what does that? What does that mean? Um, well, in the book of Matthew, Matthew's collected for us very conveniently a compendium of Jesus' teachings, uh, especially the first one, the Sermon on the Mount. And the whole context of the Sermon on the Mount is life, is relationships. Mm. He- healthy, loving relationships is one of the core values of the kingdom. And so, so what Jesus w- wants is a growing community of people who are, through him, discovering their new humanity. But you don't just sit around all day and just love each other. You, you love each other in the context of doing life, which, which is the first commission. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the point of even of Jesus giving the great commission is f- to create new humans who can be God's genuine partners mm-hmm. in yeah. taking the world where He always wanted it to go. And a conversation we've had <coughs> before was, well, why didn't God just make a new creation without us? I mean, he very well <laughs> could have. He could have been like, that didn't work. But I'm still <laughs> going to make something awesome. Yeah. They're just not going to be a part of it. And yeah. he could have. Yeah. But for whatever reason humanity was at the central place so much so that he had to merge himself with humanity to show how to truly be human to get that project back on yeah track. Or, or not even to show to actually to be to do it for to us d- to be the human to be the human mm. huh. on our behalf yeah i mean that's uh, the here we're at the mystery of the incarnation and so i yes yeah, as, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a uh, adherent of the Ignatian tradition, you appreciate this very much. The incarnation is the heartbeat of everything. This is, this is actually becomes the way that God, that God commits Himself to the goodness of the physical world and redeems it and declares it to be good once more, um, which is exactly I think at the heart of all uh, true Christian spirituality is this marriage of heaven and earth. It is, so and, and, and Ignatius has uh, a meditation called the Call of the King, and it's it's mm. this prayer meditation where you imagine this temporal, earthly leader who has this great message and great mission, and you know, it's one that you just can't can't refuse to be a part of, uh, and you have a specific role in it, a very specific role, and, and it's this wonderful plan for change and just social justice and making the world, bringing peace to the world and everything. And then Ignatius asks you, if you can sign on to this earthly leader's plan, how much more would you want to be a part of Christ's mission and Christ's project? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely connected. Mm -hmm. And and, and then you can loop it back into the... um, the image of, of cultivating your, your little plot in the garden, you know, doing yes. your little part, your, uh, yeah. using your gifts and talents for that mission. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, yeah, to, to your original question about the image, that's, um, I mean, Tim put it this way or on a podcast or something, mm. which is um, we're told by God or the, the Jewish people were told not to make an image of him, but, the, like, but God made an image of him. And that was us. And that's very, so it's very special. Mm. And I grew up in a tradition where it, 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 it was dangerous to call humanity special because then it becomes all about me and becomes all about, uh, and it stops being about glorifying God. And it starts becoming about glorifying man. And there was this resistance to anything like that. 
And so in my spirituality growing up, you wouldn't say things like God treasures me or it, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't take that step because then it might unravel into just this me centered spirituality. Mm-hmm. And there is a danger in it because, because life isn't about us. <laughs> um, the universe isn't about me, but humanity has such a special role in creation um, in what God is doing here, at least on this planet, um, <laughs> that uh, we aren't just mm. um, one animal mm. that may, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's not the biblical narrative. Um, but then also mm. uh, you look at like the book of Job. We were just working mm-hmm. on that mm. and there's stuff going on god's like look i got stuff going on you've never even thought about so mm. you know don't <laughs> think about don't think that this is all about you job yeah or that you could understand all of it so we need to understand that we're just one part mm-hmm. of a massive story that we'll, we'll never fully comprehend mm. um or maybe one day i don't know will we fully comprehend it one day tim i don't know i don't know <laughs> one hopes <laughs> yeah uh, maybe my a new Humanity, a new creation brain can yeah. comprehend it. Can I have no hold idea. it all in. <laughs> yeah. You know, this This brings me to um, the idea of Christian vocation. Mm. Because I think it's easy to think about me, me, me. What, what am I going to do with my life? You know, how am I going to be happy? We forget about the bigger picture. Mm. Um, so discernment is a big part of Ignatian spirituality. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about what is God's purpose uh, or desire for my life, um, mm. whether it's marriage or religious life or career or, you know, moving across the country like I did a year ago, uh, going to grad school, whatever it might be, mm. uh, prayerfully discerning what God's desire or what God's will is for me and mm. my life. And, uh, you know, I think mm. the, the only parts that I can think of in the mm. Bible are, it's just, it's really God almost commanding do this, you know, Abraham, mm. you know, mm. I'm sending you, um, Jesus calling, follow me, right? Mm. Um, are, are there any places in, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures or in the, even in the New Testament um, that shed light on this understanding of discernment? Um, or, or, or perhaps it's a more modern mm. concept. I, I wonder if the ancients would have even used this term where I'm really praying and having sort of a, a mm. part in this decision discernment about my future mm. well yeah that's a it's a big conversation about discerning god's will in the jewish and christian tradition it's big um the biblical vocabulary for discernment and insight in the old testament in hebrew it's all connected to the wisdom literature and wisdom themes about the fear of the lord um so, so there it's not not so much. Actually, in the view of Proverbs, you, you can't really ever discern what God's will is for your life. Only he knows that. What you can do is make the wisest decision possible that fears the Lord, and he'll direct your paths. Hmm. That's, kind of, that's the view of Proverbs. Um, it's interesting then in the New Testament, all of the wisdom vocabulary becomes about insight into the surprising thing that God did in Jesus that nobody quite saw coming, namely the crucified Messiah and the resurrection. Um, So there isn't, uh, it's interesting, most of the vocabulary about discernment and God's will in the Bible isn't about the things that we 
think about when we think about God's will for my life, which is what kind of vocation should right, I choose should I and marry? what? Yeah. Right. And so there I really, I think, um, so there's different theological traditions or positions on how to discern God's will. Um, uh, personally, I, I think falling squarely on the wisdom tradition that there are m- God has multiple wonderful plans for his people. Um, and uh, what we are called to do is are become the kinds of people uh, who make wise choices. And I think God will honor us and, t- and take us on the journey that he has for us. But I, I don't know if we can always discern that or if it becomes more of it, you can discern it in retrospect after you're already on the journey somewhere. We, we both went to Multnomah Bible College for undergrad, and there was um, a guy we actually just ran into, Gary Friesen, oh, yeah. has yes, this yes. kind of seminal book on mm-hmm. decision-making in the will of God. Yes, That was very formative yeah. for me. Yes. But his view is it's similar to what you just described, mm-hmm. um, which is different than the view that um, I had been hearing a lot before that, which is, God does have a specific plan and you just, you need to find it. Right. Um, I think some people find that very liberating and some people find that mm. very scary. Yeah. What if I miss it? <laughs> yeah. What if I miss it? <laughs> yeah, right. Am I, did I marry the right person or did mm. I screw that up? Um, so I, I. Yeah. Yeah. His his view. It's a great book. Gary Friesen, Decision Making the Will of God. His view. And really, I just, he just did a whole theology of decision making and God's will and of those words and ideas. And uh, um, like Paul in First Thessalonians four, he'll say, "Here's God's will: don't sleep around." <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you don't, like it's very, very clear when Paul says, "Here's God's will." Um, and then it's very clear Paul himself struggled to discern specific vocational challenges. He'll be like, "I really wanted to come to see you, Corinthians, but it didn't work out." You know, or uh, like in the book of Acts where Paul and Barnabas wanted to go somewhere and we just hear that the Holy Spirit did not allow them. And, and you're like, oh, what did that What did that mean? Like <laughs> they just, they missed the boat <laughs> or they missed the caravan. Like and, and so Paul discerned, well, that's not what the Spirit uh, had for yeah. us then. Like, There's also yeah. uh, casting lots. Yes, you could roll dice. Right. Yeah, like that. To, to, yeah. Pick, to pick the uh, replacement uh, apostle, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it... In many ways, it comes down. To, uh, however, all that to say is I, I'm familiar more w- um, in terms of uh, the Anabaptist brethren tradition of a discernment process for big decisions. Mm. Um, so you seek your elders. You seek wise people who know you well. You discern, is, is this a wise way forward that helps me love God and love my neighbor? And if all those lights are green, then my goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, go forth and love God and love neighbor. I've and noticed that <coughs> it used to be a lot. Maybe this is just an age thing, but that used that question used to be a lot about who are you going to marry, <laughs> and now it's always about vocation. Job like, what am I supposed to do, do. with my career? Yeah. Which is a very it's it's a place of luxury to be able to go. Yeah. What what am I specifically called to do to work? Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's a very modern problem. Um, and it's a great and it's a great thing. Yeah, to we're a middle upper class point. opportunity. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The privilege, the privilege yeah. of discernment. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah for men, probably most of the human race 
it's just set out for you. Yeah, just you know what you know what you're. Yeah. Need or to you do just or your options are it. limited, yeah. and you just get the job that's available and that kind of thing. Well, I always imagine Jesus uh, when he goes off to pray. You know, he often prays before a mission or before he sets mm-hmm. off to a new place, and that's I, I right. yeah. always sort of imagine that as his own sort of discernment and prayer to the Father yes. on yes. what to do next, and to sort of ref- reflecting and processing on everything that's that's happened so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a very clear pattern in the Gospels. Jesus's prayer p- patterns were th- clearly were the fuel driving the engine of his mission. Hmm. Yep. Part three of my conversation with Tim and John will continue on our next podcast. In the meantime, you can learn more about The Bible Project by visiting jointhebibleproject.com, where you can deepen your appreciation of the Bible through their themes and scripture videos. You can also contribute to their next project. And for more on Ignatian spirituality, be sure to visit godinallthings.com.